everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Crime and Coffee Couple. My name's Allison. And my name's Mike. Hello, Mike. Hey, babes. How's it going? It's going. Every time we start this podcast, you make a clapping sound to signify when we start. Yeah. And every single time I have to tell myself, don't start laughing. (laughs) Because I look so stupid? You just look ridiculous. Okay, I'm going to do it for everybody that's watching on YouTube. It it goes like this. I put the... And the reason, if you've never known this, like they do action on the movie, it's to sync the audio with the video. So I can see the waves and the audio and the video, and I can see like exactly where it should start. So uh, that might be a little too deep. But anyways, I go like this. And he just looks ridiculous. (laughs) I just slapped my knee and then I could see it and I lined it up perfectly and that's why the videos have been okay. I don't know why that makes me laugh, but Uh, it does. It's a knee slapper, really. So what's up with you? Um, Well, I want to say, yeah, thanks to anybody leaving reviews and stuff. Do we talk about that? Typically the first thing? Eh, Whatever. We could could talk about whatever we want, Mike. That's right. It's our podcast. That's right. Nobody can stop. I mean, people can stop listening, but yeah, whatever. So thanks for leaving reviews. Um, We've seen a ton of uh, traffic from Spotify. So um, Spotify must have mentioned us somewhere. I don't know. But thanks for um, uh, leaving the reviews on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, you know, Amazon Audible. Those are all very helpful. We very much appreciate it. Um, we've got, uh, you know, we're going to read one pretty much every week just to see how it's been going. And uh, this week we got one from um, Eileen. And uh, I'm going to read this one in a second here. It's a very sweet one. Very sweet. So. Eileen said, one of a kind, simply awesome. I never write reviews, but I had to on this one. Mike and Allison are just amazing. Aw, very sweet. From the back and forth banter in the beginning to the cases and storylines, they hit the mark every single podcast, which is very kind. Very nice. Thank you. Um, There are a lot of true crime podcasts out there, and to be honest, I lose interest in most after a couple of minutes. This was not the case with Crime and Coffee Couple. I was hooked from the first episode, even subscribed to their Patreon. So we saw that. Thank you very much. We very much appreciate it it um you can tell they're poor they pour their heart and soul into every single podcast trust me download and follow this podcast if you're a true crime fan you will not be disappointed yep that's very sweet that's like a paragraph and a half so thank you so much for putting the time into that we really appreciate it um you know what i say i'm going to continue saying it if you've listened to like three episodes and you liked every single one then go ahead and just leave a review if you can't it's kind of like, you know, in the dating world, I hear yeah. after about three dates, you're supposed to put out. Exactly. We ask that you put out yeah. a review. <laughs> it's time. I mean, at least like a French kiss or something. I haven't you know. dated in 26 years, so I don't know what the rules are, but yeah. that's the word on the street. <laughs> right, right. And uh, you definitely didn't put out after three dates. <laughs> no, I so. didn't. It was it was quite a lot longer than that. We were very young. That's probably why. I was very prudish. But you're the one that uh, brought up the uh, the big enchilada, so. Oh, the big enchilada? Like us actually being intimate with each other oh well that's good to you know let the whole world know mike i was going to like a people like authenticity okay so i was kind of a catholic church guy at the time and i was like full of crap he is so full of crap it is literally coming out of his ears right now so at the time i was like well i'm gonna wait till marriage and stuff which is cool if you're into that go go ahead and do so and then she's like well i was thinking we should do this and i was like whoa (laughs) i was like come on big boy yeah she got a little taste and uh turns out she liked what she tasted (laughs) so far so she wanted more oh my god and i'm sure the listeners are very uncomfortable right now so thank you for that mike and all of our coworkers, my coworkers, and your coworkers. super appropriate well it's life you know like we tell the kids when we talk talk about the birds and the bees that's why we're here that's why you're here it's nothing we should be ashamed of that's right i just took your mother six or seven months to want it so that's okay (laughs) um but yeah a lot of things going on here at the pranky house i mean it's uh it's like gangbusters we got november coming so october's out the window we're in november 
I know. I mean, November's here. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And um, you've got your Hallmark movies that just came on. Oh, yes. Me and my coworkers, uh, we put up a sign that has all the list of movies. We each have a color pen that we check off for which movies we've watched. Every friggin' weekend, we're so flipping busy. I'm always behind. So then during the week, I try to like watch them. Do you enjoy them or are you just trying to watch them to check and mark? Check um, both. Um, and I've noticed we've watched the, you know, you've watched the Hallmark. I mean, every single day, Hallmark movies are on every day. Well, your mom is here too. Yeah, which is nice. I want you guys to have fun. I go upstairs to my, you know, watch sports or whatever with mm, my dad. You and your dad. Yeah. Um, but it's, uh, I've noticed that the movies are better this year, it seems like. like. I feel like the acting is a little bit solid. Yeah. Like last year, it's almost like they embraced being just crappy B movies. This year, it's almost like, oh, okay. The actresses and actors are a little bit better. Like they're still mm-hmm. fakey crap snow but you know it's like a little bit better and the snow is less fakey like it used to literally be foam yeah just like dropping in people's hair it's like i could see that that just foam yeah so it's the quality has improved some of their bigger actresses have left like candace cameron beret used to be like their spokeswoman yeah she went to like gac or something like that the original founder of the hallmark movie channel yeah no they've been around for a while but no, anyway. no, but the, the founder moved to them, I think, is what oh, it was. Oh, got it. So then he got Candace Cameron Bure okay. and some other people. I mean, they're still cheesy, but they're great. But yeah, this weekend has just been crazy. Our daughter had her fifth grade field trip to Epcot, which, you know, when you live an hour and 20 minutes from Orlando, that's a possibility for the schools to go to Disney. So that was fun. And we decided to stay in a hotel, which is nice to get that one-on-one time with the, the other child. Yeah. So it was good. Celebrated her. I mean, it just seems like craziness. And then last night we went to a carnival that's like two blocks from our house. Yeah. Uh, it was a lot of fun. The kids got their all-you-can-ride armbands, and they went on like one five rides or something like that and had a great time. We got a TV stand that has a fake fireplace oh in it. I forgot about which, that. Which, uh, you know, when you have a Hallmark movie playing, you have to have a fireplace. And can I say, you you said it's a fake fireplace, and it definitely looks fake. I mean, it's definitely cheesy looking. Is I it? love it. So is that in now to have like a cheesy looking fireplace? In well, your- in Florida, obviously, people don't burn fires a lot. They yeah. do, but not a lot. Um, we don't have a fireplace when we lived in illinois we did and i lit it every day because it was literally a light switch that you put on yeah and it was real flames and i loved it and i just dreadfully miss it living here so i don't care if it looks fake i love it well yeah if you love it that's that's totally fine i just didn't know if like other people do the same thing and have a cheesy looking fireplace you got to do what you got to do Mark. right and i you know i admittedly the first thing i did this morning was turn it on when i came into the family room yeah it may be humid as shit outside but for (laughs) god darn it i've got that fireplace going still like about 90 degrees every day (laughs) got a sunburn at the little league game last night yeah yeah so man so we got all that out okay Well, Anything else you want to talk about? I don't think so. Just thank you, everyone, for listening. It, uh, we're still gaining listeners and patrons. So, yeah, let's uh, let's keep this train going, huh? Absolutely. So, this is the murder of Stacy Reed. On the afternoon of January 29th, 1999, 16-year-old Stacy Reed came home from school and found 20-year-old Paul Warner Powell waiting for her at her home in Manassas City, Virginia, where she lived with her parents and her younger sister. Her sister was 14. She's 16. Um, her sister, Christy, is 14. So Stacy arrived home early that day, just before noon. She was taking tests at school. She finished early and came home around lunchtime. So Paul and Stacy had known each other for about two and a half years at this time. They were friends. Um, Paul did want more from their friendship than just, you know, a platonic relationship. Lots of men. I mean, young ladies, if you're out there, um, if you're 16, 18, you know, listening to this podcast, any guy who's, 
you know, a friend of yours is probably romantically interested in you. Mm-hmm. I mean, For just sure. speaking as a guy, it's it's a good chance. And I, even if you guys are just friends, they've pictured you naked. A hundred million percent. <laughs> a- any woman listening to this, if you have a guy who like likes talking to you in your life, even if it's a husband of another wife or whatever, you know, the husband of, right. he's definitely pictured you naked well, many times. Once you get married, it's not like they zap a part of your brain that finds other people attractive. Exactly. Like some people will be like, oh, my husband doesn't look at that. I'm like, yes, he does he's not dead inside what that uh, comedian was like um my wife was like asking me do you ever think of other people and it's like oh no all i think about is my wife oh my wife my wife <laughs> and it's like i think it's ridiculous to think that you don't look at other women and say oh she's attractive right i mean sometimes i'm like nudging you like mike look at those boobs <laughs> you do at that park we saw plenty yeah, yeah i mean that's just ridiculous to think that that doesn't happen but Anyway, I digress. So Stacy was dating Sean Wilkerson at this time. So she wasn't about to consider Paul as anything but a friend. So um, she's 16. So they're young. Yeah, they are young. We started dating. Mm -hmm, The age exactly. We started dating. So um, Paul had made advances towards Stacy on several occasions in the past, but nothing had ever progressed into anything but a friendship. So more disturbing, though. Paul was a self-proclaimed white supremacist. Oh, jeez. What the hell? Talk about turnoffs. So, um, Sean Wilkerson, Stacy's boyfriend, happened to be a black man. So, Paul had been to Stacy's house in the past. I mean, if I'm Sean, I don't feel comfortable with her even talking to this dude. Yeah, and I don't truly know how much contact Stacy and Paul actually had on a day-to-day basis. Right. I mean, you don't want to tell somebody you can't talk to somebody, but this, I mean, a white supremacist is somebody who thinks that, you know, basically no other races are worthy of any, right. anything. So, it's like... <laughs> it may be that he wasn't a huge part of her life to the point that Sean may not even have really had him on his radar. Yeah. That I don't know the extent of what Sean's idea was of Paul. If he even really knew of him, I don't know. Interesting. But regardless, when Stacy came home from school that day, she wasn't alarmed by the sight of Paul because, again, they were friends. He was a part of her life in some extent. So um, she wasn't alarmed, but she didn't realize that on this day, he didn't plan on taking no for an answer. Of course. He ended up leaving, though, when he found out that Robert Culver, a friend of Stacy's mom, was coming over for lunch. He came back to the um, read home. And in this article, it called Robert Culver a friend. But in other articles, it said he was Stacy's mom's fiance and that he actually lived at the house. Well, fiance is more than a friend. Exactly. So I'm I'm assuming Robert is living at the home and a fiance of Stacy's mom. And so. if that's wrong, then forgive us. Exactly. So he came back for lunch at around um, you know, the noonish hour and Paul knew he was coming, so he left the house knowing that Robert was coming home. And then he knew about the time frame that Robert would stay for lunch, so he came back to the house about 12.45 p.m. that day, knowing that Robert would have left again to go back to work. So he specifically left so that he didn't have to interact with Stacy's mom's fiance. This time when he came back, though, he was equipped with two knives, a box cutter, and a 9 millimeter handgun. Stacy was finishing up a phone call with Sean when Paul knocked on the door. When Stacy opened the door, Paul demanded that she break up with Sean. At this point, she had ended her, f- her conversation with her boyfriend, Sean. According to Paul, the two argued until the situation escalated into a struggle. He took the survival knife from his belt and claimed that Stacy got stuck 
with a knife, mm. denying that he purposely stabbed her. Stacy got stuck on my knife. Mm-hmm. Like she tripped and fell and yeah. fell right on my knife. She just fell on my knife. They continued to struggle until Stacy collapsed on her sister's bedroom floor. He said that the struggle began after Stacy attacked him and scratched his face. I mean, so, a woman, a 16-year-old girl attacking you is not a reason to take out a knife. Mm-mm. I mean, that's or, no. or any kind of deadly object. You can I mean, legally, you use the same force that is coming against you. So, I mean, scratching or whatever, go ahead and just punch her. You know, well, if, if that's restrain the case. her hands whatever. and leave the house. Right. You don't want to be stabbing people. You don't take out a knife. Oh, my gosh. So, Paul said at this point, after Stacy had collapsed on her sister's bedroom floor, he didn't know if she was alive or dead. But regardless, he didn't check to see or he didn't call for any medical assistance. What he did did do, though, was wander around the house. He poured himself some iced tea, and he smoked a cigarette. It sounds like he was biding his time until Christy arrived home. He must have known... The sister, younger sister. When the 14-year-old sister, Christy, would come home from school. It sounds like that's why he was kind of hanging around the house. So Christy arrived home from school a little after 3 p.m. Any sexual stuff yet? Not just yet. Okay. And Christy met him at the door when she came home from school. I don't know that she was alarmed because, again, it was somebody that she knew. Yeah, he's in their lives. Mm-hmm. So Paul told Christy that Stacy was in Stacy's room. But only seconds later, Christy discovered her sister's lifeless body on her own bedroom floor. She dropped her school books and began to sob. Paul ordered Christy to go to the basement. And she knew he was typically armed. And when I say armed, it sounds like he often carried a knife on his belt. So when I say armed, I don't believe it was with a gun. I believe it was with a knife. So she was listening to what he was saying because she was scared. And basically in her mind, she thought, I don't want to die. So she went to the basement as instructed. And she got to the basement, and Paul ordered her to remove her clothing and lay on the floor. Oh, jeez. <clears throat> of course, being the guy that he is, he raped this 14-year-old girl. I swear, <laughs> you find these stories that uh, have uh, this stuff in them, and it, so many of them are driven by this mm-hmm. sexual urge. So as this is happening, she's just begging for him to spare her life. And Paul knew that at this time, Christy was a virgin, She's 14 years old. She's One of these guys? Oh, my God. Dis- this, like, it fits a profile perfectly. Well, his profile is nothing but disgusting. He's a horrible human being. He hates any race but his own. He's just a horrible s- soul. Oh, filled with hate. I mean, that's just, like, your your identity is filled with hate. <laughs> that's what, what yeah, it is. Exactly. So, while Paul and Christy were in the basement, a friend of Christy's, Mark Lewis, came to the house. He knocked on the door. So, Paul's hearing the knocking coming from upstairs. So, he takes uh, Christy's shoelace. One thinks that he cut it. The other one said he just took the shoelace. He tied her legs together and he tied her hands behind her back. He got dressed and went upstairs. While Paul was upstairs, Christy was able to loosen the restraints and scoot across the floor in an attempt to hide under the basement stairs. It sounds like Paul just went to the door and basically got rid of the the person that was there. Why even answer the door? I don't know. Maybe he was afraid he would come in or something. Yeah, maybe he saw his car there or something. Yeah. So as Christy heard Paul coming back down the basement stairs, she decided to return to the spot where he had left her. I don't know if she was like scared that if she wasn't behaving, he would escalate the situation. Yeah. So regardless that she did this, Paul 
I'm going to call him either Paul or Powell. He strangled Christy until she lost consciousness. He then stabbed her in the abdomen and slit her throat. Jesus H. Christ. And when I say he slit her throat, it was not a clean slice. Like she had like slices all over her throat. It's, it's horrible. So he headed back upstairs and helped himself to more iced tea. Makes a lot of sense. He searched the house for basically anything worth taking, and then he left and headed to a friend's house in the District of Columbia to buy crack cocaine. So sometime after Paul left, Christy regained consciousness, and at approximately 4.10 p.m., this is where I then heard that Robert Culver was actually his her mom's fiancé. He came home from work, and she began to call out to him, but her voice was very weak. From being slit she in the throat. She had just been sliced in the throat. She had been stabbed in the abdomen. She had been strangled. She had been traumatized and raped. So her voice was very weak, and she's in the basement. So Culver didn't hear her calling out, but he did find it was strange that the girls weren't home because normally when he came home in the four o'clock hour, they were both there. Yeah. So he starts to walk through the house to look for them. He first went into Stacy's room. He noticed that it was in disarray and then immediately entered Christie's room, which it sounds like it was very close by because Stacy basically fell from her room into her sister's room. Mm-hmm. So now he's finding Stacy's lifeless body on Christie's floor. He noticed that she wasn't breathing and she had blood on her body. Uh-huh. So, of course, this is 1999. It's not like people are carrying so- cell phones with them, you know, perhaps. Right. So he's going now in search of their, their home phone. Apparently, they must have had a phone in the basement because that's the direction that he headed. So, thankfully, he did because now he's discovering Christy bound and naked on the floor. So, what? It's a, not even his daughter, right? No, I mean, it's not. It's his fiance's daughters. Yeah. And these are two teenage girls. One is lifeless and not breathing, the other is naked and bound and bleeding on the basement floor. And I mean, this is a horror story. Yeah, he gets into the situation and it's just like, oh my God, like, <laughs> what am I supposed to do here? It, it, <laughs> I can't imagine that. So he immediately calls 911, of course, and begins giving first aid to Christy. Um, so paramedics arrive shortly after, and they asked Christy who had done this to her. And this is why I think her voice was affected, because from what I read, she basically just mouthed the words, Paul Powell. And thank goodness she did, because they were quickly able to know who did this well, right to away. Her. You're not looking at, I wonder who it could be. Let's follow the blood tracks. Let's look at tire tracks. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, we're looking for Paul Powell. We're straight to him. Thank God. So Paul was found. One of the sources I read said that day, the next said January 30th, which would have been the next day. They found him at his girlfriend's house where he and his friend went after they bought drugs. Oh, he had a girlfriend and he was trying to get this other girl to mm-hmm. leave her. Boyfriend. I mean, he's not a good guy in any sense. He's he's a horrible person. So police found a blue bag that belonged to Powell containing a nine millimeter semi-automatic pistol with a full magazine containing 10 Winchester nine millimeter cartridges. It also held a survival knife with a five and a half inch blade with a black sheath and it sounds like this was kind of what he was would carry on his belts yeah when you said survivor knife i figured that this is probably his thing like he Mm -hmm. always has his knife and he probably talks about it a lot exactly so he also had a butterfly knife which i don't even friggin know what that is i think it's like one of those uh kind of like a switchblade like you kind of like flip it out and you can have a knife out of it and then flip it back okay i think I could be wrong. That one had a five-inch blade, but it was the survival knife that had a dark reddish stain on the blade. 
So Christy, meanwhile, <clears throat> when 911 arrived, she was airlifted to Anova Fairfax Hospital. Her survival was absolutely miraculous. The injuries to both her stomach and her neck were each only one centimeter from puncturing major arteries. Oh, wow. I mean, it's a miracle that this girl survived. I mean, you get stabbed in the abdomen, it's pretty much game over. Right, because there's so many vital organs there. Yeah, and then if you puncture a stomach, and then it's <clears> like, you know, like you you taught me, there's infections that can happen. Yes. You know, um, the acid gets out. Because and, the contents of our intestinal tract are not meant to come out. Right. There's loaded with terrible bacteria that will kill us. Yeah. They call it peritonitis. But regardless, it's amazing that this poor girl survived, and thank God that she did. Oh, thank God Robert got there when he did, at least, exactly. you know, at least for Christy. Poor mm-hmm. Stacy. On Stacy, on the other hand, she sadly did not survive. Her autopsy revealed that she died from stab wounds to her heart. The medical examiner testified that there was a single entrance wound and two exit wounds, indicating that the knife had been withdrawn at least partially and then reinserted into her heart. One stab wound pierced the left ventricle, and the other went through both the left and right ventricles, exiting the heart at the back of the right ventricle. So just, just, just hearing that, like, you can feel it in your heart I almost. Know. You know, it's just, poor this girl. poor girl comes home from school after a regular day, and this is what happens to her by somebody that she knows. Yeah. So Stacy's... And probably trusted somewhat, you know? I mean, mm-hmm, may, to some you, degree. you'd have to think, yeah. Stacy's body also had bruises on her head, chest, abdomen, back, arms, and legs. There so were, she was beaten. There was definitely more than just a simple scuffle. Like this guy's out of his fucking mind. Mm-hmm. What a scumbag! I can't like he can't be removed from the earth fast enough. Basically, and I'm sorry. I'm sure he's had plenty like a terrible upbringing. I don't know if you're going to talk about that at no, all. No, I really it doesn't go into what his his past is. Yeah. But, I mean, just this is like one of those, okay, we just need to pick you up and remove you, three off into space. Like, you're the horrible thing for the human race. Right. I mean, the only good thing is learning that you don't want to be around people like this, Mm -hmm. basically. That their hearts are just filled with hate. Yeah. There were abrasions on her face. She had a stab wound to her back, cuts and scrapes on her left arm. The autopsy also showed that she had been struck in the head with force that caused bleeding inside her scalp and the membranes around her brain prior to death. So he's basically describing it as a simple scuffle where Stacy got stuck with a knife. Yeah, it's a, and he bru- <coughs> meanwhile, he brutalized her and did. Who knows what he did exactly? Mm-hmm. Blunt, you <coughs> would definitely think blunt force of you know trauma with a, a number of objects. Yeah, and it was more trauma to the head than he would have described as basically she fell it was more than that it was probably direct blows repeatedly Mm -hmm. gosh so dna from the blood found on the survival knife was consistent with stacy's dna the dna obtained from christie's you know vagina and perineal area was also consistent with his dna so stacy's from from christie because we know that he raped her yeah so during his time in jail this idiot's wrote various letters to friends he admitted murderings to he admitted murdering stacy as well as christie's rape and attempted murder he claimed that he wanted to kill everybody in this effed up country that is not white good man well Mm -hmm. well are stacy and her sister christy white yeah and okay so i mean you're going but his his driving thing was that stacy was uh dating a black man oh okay Mm -hmm. 
So. so Paul said that on the day of Stacy's murder, he went there with the intention of not only killing her, but also the rest of her family, including her mom and the fiance. Yeah. You know, obviously he killed Stacy. He tried to kill Christy and he was almost successful, but his initial intent was to kill the parents. Wow. He was also planning on stealing their truck that day. Well, initial intent to kill them as well. But his first things were Stacy and Christy. I yes. Imagine. And then I, I, don't, I would wouldn't be surprised if he was looking to kill other people like he got a taste of something it's almost like and he stayed with it like you think after stacy he's like holy shit i just killed somebody mm-hmm. but no he's like no well the next in line is you know, but he Christy, stayed at the house waiting s- for christy so what made him leave do we know i guess he just changed his mind maybe he got scared that it wouldn't be so easy to you know overcome an adult man yeah well, there is grown man strength, you know, and like even like walking around the, the carnival yesterday, I was like, I see all these kids with like, you know, they're acting stupid high school kids just doing their dumb yeah. things. And uh, like I just like I used to. And I'm like, man, like one of them was kind of the, like doing a fake fight in front of you. And I was like, well, I'm gonna have to like step in here if like they get too close just to like, you know, make sure nobody gets hurt. Well, I'm only like five foot three. So sometimes people just like act like I'm invisible. I mean, I'm not that short, but these teenage kids were like rushing at me and I thought in my head, I am standing my ground. I am not moving for them. And if this mf plows into me, <laughs> there's... I, was it by the uh, the new ride? Yes. Yeah, I saw that. So I was I was ready to step in, just so you know. So oh, thanks, I, I, had your, I had your back. I really yeah. appreciate you going after those 14-year-old boys. Hey, they were at least 16. <laughs> I, bet you I don't know. I there. thought the one kid you said you knew from Cam's middle school football team. Yeah, yeah, he was not there. Oh, okay. He was on the other side. But anyways, um, so, I mean, this goes to say that Paul Powell probably made a good move. He probably would have been, um, you know, overpowered. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. So Paul wrote to a female friend. He asked her to get one of her guy friends to go to a payphone, call Christy and tell her that she better tell the cops that she lied to them and tell her that she better not testify against me or she's gonna die. Is he mentally damaged? Does he not realize that all his things are red? So I'm going to tell you why he did the things that he did. But in the meantime... I mean, it doesn't surprise me that he's a complete moron. Complete. And he's one of those idiots that just won't shut his mouth. Yeah. So Paul told another inmate that he got very angry with Stacy when she refused to have sex with him after she ended her phone call with Wilkerson. He told the inmate that he stabbed Stacy twice and that when he tried to cut Christie's throat, his knife was just too dull. So he started to stomp on her neck and throat. Holy shit. He's just... uh, monster he told another inmate that stacy's murder was human sacrifice and also expressed satisfaction for having raped a virgin can you imagine being like the inmate there and being like well you know i'm in jail here for stealing or something it's like this guy's talking i mean i'm sure they have another murder guy that's in there mm-hmm. you, know, you wouldn't put somebody with a, a non non-aggressive thing with another guy that has a, a two murders on his or a murder and a half on his hands but you know is it coming out that this man's a white supremacist yeah of course he's got a big target on him well in prison they they hang out together so there's like groups in jails not that i know but i'm but the movies i've seen i think it's pretty close to the same that you know you have your you know latinos and white supremacists and then you know whatever right just little groups and You'd think you'd get the crap beaten out of you by someone of another race. I'm sure it happens. So when Powell spoke to police, he denied raping Christy, though in a second statement, he admitted that he did. He also said that he tried to kill her because she was the only witness and would would have would send him to jail basically is what he said. So in May of 2000, Christy faced her monster in court. 
She testified against Paul. That he, had to be so hard. Oh, she's such a brave little warrior. And she's yeah, fourteen years old, and this poor kid's been through rape, attempted murder, had her, her body stomped on her. Her sister got killed. She found her sister's lifeless body. Poor thing. She saw saw the worst things that she could have seen. The worst things could have happened to her that day, and she was so brave that she went and faced this guy. And is going to need <clears throat> counseling for the rest of her life because there's going to be images that pop up in her head and that she can't control. And that's so terrible. Mm-hmm. So he was convicted of capital murder and sentenced to death. He was also found guilty of the abduction, rape, and attempted capital murder of Christie and sentenced to three life terms in prison. What is capital murder? I capital mean, murder is when it's like above and beyond. So like super murder. Yes. Oh. So Paul ended up filing an appeal because he felt that the prosecution failed to prove that he attempted to also rape Stacy. And a year later, on April 20th, 2001, his capital murder conviction was overturned by the Supreme Court of Virginia. And instead, he was given three life sentences for lesser charges, making him ineligible for the death penalty. So... The results of the appeal were based on two factors. The The form the jury read about the verdict and sentencing failed to clearly state that the jury had the option of sentencing to him to life in prison rather than death penalty. And when the timing of events given Powell's testimony were, were reviewed, it showed that the sequence of events didn't happen in the correct order that would charge him with capital murder. So that it's, I mean, it's smart of his lawyer. You have to follow the book and the police or investigators or whoever screwed up by doing this. That's why you have to go through this stuff with a fine tooth comb. You know, you can't say that he attempted to rape Stacy when there's no proof. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't, you just can't. And I'm sorry. And I'm sure he, maybe he did and whatever, but you just can't. If you're trying, it sounds like they're just trying to throw everything at him. He'd be like, yes, this is an open and shut case, but it was stupid to throw something at him that you couldn't. Cause then they have to review everything in your case. Mm-hmm. That was really stupid by the, the prosecutors. So it was also ruled that the murder of one girl and the rape of another couldn't be considered the same crime, which was necessary for, you know, deeming capital capital murder. Okay. So this is where he got these big, like, ideas to write these letters because he thought once it was removed, it couldn't be reinstated because it's double jeopardy. So he's getting very cocky. And this is where he's writing these letters. Okay. So he decides to write a letter to the prosecutors, believing that he could no longer be tried for capital murder because of double jeopardy. The letter was written to attorney Paul Ebert on October 21st, 2001. It read, Mr. Ebert, since I have already been indicted on first degree murder and the Virginia Supreme Court said that I can't be charged with capital murder again, I figured I would tell you the rest of what happened on January 29th, 1999 to show you how stupid you all mother effers are. And I'm going to like tone some things down because it's just disgusting. Yeah, I'd rather you do that. So y'all should have known that since there's more to the story than what I was, what I told by what I said. And again, this is written by an idiot. You had it in writing that I plan to kill the whole family. Since I plan to kill the whole family, why would I have fought with Stacy before killing her? She had no idea I was planning to kill everybody and talked and carried on just like usual. So I could have stabbed her up at any time because she was unsuspecting. I had other plans for her before she died. You know, I came back to the house after Bobby's lunch break was over and he had went back to work. When I got back, she was on the phone. So I went inside and laid down on the couch. 
When the cab came to bring me my pager, I ran out of the house and she jumped and got off the phone and came off the porch to see why I went out of the house like I did. When the cab left, we went into the house. I laid on the couch again and she went to her room to get clothes and went downstairs to do her laundry. When she went downstairs, I got up and shut and locked the back door and went downstairs. We talked while she put her clothes in the wash. We continued talking while she had everything in the wash, and I reached over and touched her on her breast. Again, I'm saying things more nicely than he's writing. Um, yeah, okay. He And then I asked her if she wanted to do it. And again, I'm not saying those words. He certainly didn't use the words do it. Yeah, he doesn't deserve it to be read. Exactly. She said no because she had a boyfriend. I started arguing with her because she had never turned anybody down because of having a boyfriend. We started walking upstairs arguing the whole time. When we got upstairs, we went to her room and she turned the radio off. After she turned the radio off, I pushed her onto her bed and grabbed her wrists and pinned her hands down by her head and sat on top of her. I told her that all I wanted to do was that, like do it. Yep. And I would leave and that we could do it the easy way or the hard way. She said she would do that with me, so I got up. After I got up, she got up and started fighting with me and clawed my face. We wrestled around a little, and then I slammed her to the floor. When she hit the floor, I sat on top of her and pinned her hands down again. She said she would do that with me, and I told her that if she tried fighting with me again, I would kill her. When I got up, she stood up and kept asking me why I was doing this, and I kept saying that she needs to take her clothes off. Finally, she undid her pants and pulled them down to her ankles. She was getting ready to take the rest off when the phone rang. When she heard the phone, she pulled her pants up and said that she had to answer the phone. I pushed her back and said no. She said that she wouldn't say anything about me being there, and I told her no and take her clothes off. She tried to get out of the room again, and I pushed her back and pulled out my knife. I guess she thought I was just trying to scare her and that I wouldn't really stab her because she tried to leave again. When she got to me and when she got to me and tried to squeeze between me and the door jam, I stabbed her. When I stabbed her, she fell back against the door jam and just looked at me with a shocked look on her face. When I pulled the knife out, she stumbled a couple of steps and fell into her sister's room. I walked over and looked at her. I saw that she was still breathing, so I stepped over her body and into the bedroom. I put my foot on her throat, stepped so that she couldn't breathe. I then started stomping. I'm not going to keep going on that. Thank but you. basically, he 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 killed her with his foot. Of course, we do know that he stabbed her in her heart. She would have ultimately died. And this is just so sad, though, that her last moments on Earth was being stabbed by somebody that she knew and then having her neck stomped on. And knowing she was about to get raped. Yeah. I, and trying to... What a fighter, man. Just trying to... Man, that's uh, such a... Tip terrible situation when i didn't see her breathing anymore i left the room i got some iced tea and sat on the couch i smoked a cigarette you know the rest of what happened after that point i would like to thank you for saving my life i know you're probably wondering how you saved my life so i'll tell you you saved my life by effing up there were two main f-ups you made that saved me the first was the way you worded my capital murder indictments the second was the comment you made in your closing argument when you said that we won't know because he won't tell us one more time thank you now y'all know everything that happened at that house in blah 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 street on january 29th 1999 i guess i forgot to mention these effect, uh, events when i was being questioned haha ha, psych i knew that y'all would 
would be able to prove in court, so I told you what you already knew. Stacy was dead and no one else was in the house, so y'all knew I would never know, you all knew you would never know everything she went through unless she came back to life. Since the Supreme Court said I can't be charged with capital murder again, I can tell you what I told you because I no longer have to worry about the death penalty. So he's just so pompous and cocky. Well, I think he just wants another form of power, but it's like, Mm -hmm. hey, buddy, where are you running this from? In prison, where you're there for life, you dumb piece of shit. (laughs) I'd rather him not have the death penalty and just suffer. I don't know that he's the type that's going to suffer, though. Well, I mean, mentally, he's not going to. He's going to talk himself into something positive, I guess, for him. But it's like, that's fine. I'd I'd rather him just sit in jail and pretend like he's having a great time because it sucks in jail or prison, Mm -hmm. I'm sure. And you all are supposed to be so GD smart. I can't believe that y'all thought I told you everything, but it's too late now. Nothing you can do about it. And then he goes on this disgusting tirade of horrible words. I guess I'll see your bitch ass on December 18th at trial because I'm not pleading to shit. Tell the family to be ready to testify and relive it all again because if I have to suffer for the next 50 or 60 years or however long, then they can suffer the torment of reliving what happened for a couple of days. I'm gone. F you and anyone like you or that associates with people like you. I almost forgot and just F this, F that. I'm not even going to read the rust. And then he basically ends it by saying, well, die a slow, painful, miserable death. See a punk. Do you just hate yourself for being so stupid and effing up and saving me? Sincerely, Paul Powell. I mean, he's just an, an awful human being. Well, I mean, it's if I'm getting this as a prosecutor, it's like, yeah, well, we screwed up, but you're in prison. So anyways, <laughs> okay. I mean, but you're going to probably tell me something where now he's going to go have the death penalty because he did this, I'm guessing. So he then sent a letter to Lorraine, Stacy and Christie's mom. He attached a pornographic photo of a woman that resembled Stacy. He wrote, I was wondering if you might be able to help me think of something. I found this picture in a magazine and it kind of looks like someone I know or used to know, but I can't think of the person's name. I think you know the person too. So I was wondering if you could tell me the name of the person this picture resembles so I can quit racking my brain trying to think of it. If you talk to this person I'm talking about, please give her my address and tell her to write to me. Thank you. And of course, forensic scientists verified that this handwriting belonged to 24-year-old Paul. I mean, don't prison directors like look at letters where they're going? You can't have somebody like reaching out and writing letters to the victim's mother, well, right? He you did. wouldn't think. I mean, maybe because it's a free country, you can do that. But I mean, people that are in prison don't have as many freedoms as the rest mm-hmm. of us. I, I would just, I don't know. That seems wrong. So the, <clears throat> the various letters he wrote shifted from polite to cruel to obscene. And Assistant Commonwealth's Attorney James A. Willett, who prosecuted Powell in 2000 and prepared to prosecute him in October of 2002, described him as an individual who must inflict pain on people. These letters are the only way he can do it from where he is right now. So he was also writing letters to a jury, the jury forewoman, Jennifer Day. Um, Their letters spanned nearly a year. They spoke of being soulmates And he also wrote that he never thought he could rape and kill someone. I hate myself for it, and I wish there was something I could do to change it. He's so full of crap. And also, how can you be on the jury and listen to the things that this horrible human being did and write to him? She wrote back? They called each other soulmates. Oh, oh, each other. I thought he was just saying that 
He, oh my God, man! Some of these people are so weird. So, and, and <laughs> you got to be very uh, again. I don't know. I don't want to judge too much, but man, that's a bad, bad, bad idea. And kids, if you're listening, try not to become soulmates with a prison inmate that's raped and killed people. I mean, mm-hmm. that's generally that's one of the first things I learned. Um, just don't don't marry people that are yeah. Good advice. Murders. Yeah. Good advice. So Jennifer Day claimed that at first she thought Powell was sorry though then felt that he had a split personality. She said, I don't know who the real person is, the murderer or the God worshiper. I thought he was a poor kid who was just all messed up, but I don't think that anymore. He's manipulative. He mm-hmm. sees that he, he got a piece of you when he mentioned God, and all of a sudden he sees a light, and he's like, oh, oh, she's, I got her. Here we go. Reel her in like a fish. You're just being a fish. And she said what he has done to that family is just awful, and it sounds like she just basically cut off you know, writing to him anymore. Good idea. That's a very good idea. So because of the letters that Paul wrote to the prosecution admitting to withholding testimony, they were able to reindict him on capital murder charges in January of 2003. So once again, he was sentenced to death. (laughs) What a jackass. I can't believe you can do that. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it makes a lot of sense. mm -hmm. I would kind of be pissed off if you couldn't retry him because I know there's yeah, we learned about that. And it didn't make sense to me when I was, you know, learning about it in school. Like, what if like something unbelievable happens where it's like all this new information comes, mm-hmm. you still can't try the person? It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. So they were, and thirty-one-year-old Powell chose the electric chair instead of lethal injection. He was executed on Thursday night, March eighteenth, two thousand ten. He was declared dead at nine oh nine p.m. Goodbye, mother effer. And despite all of the words that he wrote, Paul was silent as the guards stopped him on the or strapped him into the oak electric chair at the Greensville Correctional Center. He only stared ahead when he was asked if he had anything to say, though he did speak with Stacy's family on the phone the day before his execution. So he apologized and acknowledged that it was a senseless and pointless thing. The Reed family was present during his execution. Paul ended up being the second to the last person to die in Virginia's electric chair. Lethal injection became the only form of capital punishment until the death penalty was abolished in Virginia on March 24th, 2021. So that was only a year ago. I was going to say, you don't hear about electric chairs very often. Mm -hmm. There might be one left maybe in like Texas, if I had to guess. Okay. I, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So Christie had eagerly awaited Paul's death, saying, I need to know that he's gone, that we don't have to deal with this anymore. And of course, they were dragged through this whole thing where it was revoked and he wasn't he was no longer sentenced to death. They had to deal with that torment. And then finally, it was reinstated. So they had that sense of relief that he was just going to be gone. So Christy was 25 years old at the time of Paul's execution. She said, I was totally against the death penalty before this happened, and I didn't know why people would want to do it. But those people haven't been through what we've been through. Now I'm totally for it. He definitely deserves to die. He needs to die for what he did to Stacy. In 20, or 2001, excuse me, Lorraine started the um, Stacy Foundation, which stands for Strive to Achieve Compassion, Intervention, and Education, because Stacy was S-T-A-C-I-E. Mm-hmm. 
The organization supports victims of violent crimes, which is wonderful because victims of violent crimes need to be supported. 100%. Because the hard part is after you've dealt with such a traumatic event, the world just keeps on going like nothing's changed. You expect everybody to be like, oh, I'm sorry, but they can't see it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's yeah, that's and they need a lot of counseling, a lot of talking. Absolutely. So in 2018, she published a book called Heal My Wounds, Leave My Scars, a mother's story of loss, despair and her journey back to hope. Stacy was part of her high school's junior reserves officers training corps and hoped to one day become the first female U.S. Navy SEAL. She had been looking forward to going to her first military ball with Sean. She was extremely close with her sister, Christy, whose strength brought Paul to justice. To this day, Christy considers the markings on her neck as battle scars. They remind her that she is capable of surviving anything and everything. Yeah, so sounds like Stacy was a badass. Yes, uh, absolutely. Somebody that had all these you know, awesome goals ahead of her and just taken away by this complete and utter narcissistic douchebag scumbag that is no longer here, thankfully. It's one of those things, you know, the, the death penalty, you can have an opinion either way, and I totally get what they say. I was against it until you know my daughter was murdered and attempted to be raped mm-hmm. and stabbed in the heart, like, directly. It's... Uh, you know, I, I don't take any sides on anything like that. It's like, I can see why people would want it and I can see why people wouldn't want right. it. I just hope I'm never in that position. Absolutely. I agree. Yeah. But that's the story. Poor Stacy and good of Christy to, you know, take that and battle scars. Like she mm-hmm. said, just, she's just stronger for it. Cause uh, you know, every day that she looks in the mirror, she sees it. She's yeah. reminded of what happened every day that she sees her reflection, but rather than succumbing to, you know, it beating her down, it builds her up to think I survive this. If I survive this, I can survive anything and I'm a badass. And she is. And you got to battle for your sister's sake too. Mm-hmm. You know, that's well, Hopefully Christy's doing well out there I somewhere. I hope so. Yeah. And we know that um, Paul's not, so he's dead. Goodbye, Paul. See you, Paul. Piece of shit. Bastard. So, asshole. Yeah. Well, thank you for bringing that uh, to our attention. We appreciate it. If you hear a dog scratching on the freaking door in the background, that's our we apologize. four-pound Shorky that's absolutely going nuts right over there at that door. And she's very misbehaved. Yeah. I don't know what we did wrong. She's definitely not getting any treats today. <laughs> yeah, you hear that? I hope you do. And our dog watches TV. She, God forbid, there's an animal on the TV. She goes and barks like a maniac. And last night, we noticed that our kitten was watching TV. I actually, as I was going through looking at our Patreons here, I saw a picture of our cat watching TV. I'm like, why do we have these animals that watch TV? And this is not the first animal. Our our pug, Dempsey, used to watch TV. Yeah. And I'm like, what is wrong with us? Like, what have we done that makes our animals want to watch TV? It's got to be us. You, it has you to You got to think. I mean, maybe we just watched an abnormal amount of TV. We don't, though. We're so busy. Yeah. It's weird. Maybe it's because we focus on it at the end of the Perhaps. day. I don't know. Whatever. All right. While you say your last words, I'm going to let the psychopath into the room with us. Yeah. You're going to get to see the, the Shorky come in here if you're watching the video. So um, thank you so much to all of our patrons. We really appreciate it. If um, you know, if you want to g- have access to bonus episodes, that's where we give our patrons. So we've got um, you know, every other week we release a bonus episode. Our level one patrons get one per month and level two gets uh, all the rest of them as mm-hmm. well. So this month is actually going to be three total bonus episodes episodes so i want to say thanks to all of our patrons uh, we're gonna have to start cutting off some names here at some yeah. point um just because you know we don't want to take a, a ton of time but we appreciate each and every one of you and we really shower you with lots of compliments yes and even if we don't read your name we love you guys yes so colleen lily karen nadine Allie, 
Michael, Kayla, Dominic, Brian, Shannon, Elizabeth, Mandy, Elena, Vivian, Trisha, Lauren, Megan, Jamie, Kathy, Chastity, Genevieve, Clara Ann, Emily, Kathy, oh, hold on, um, and Ava, your Eva, uh, Jovi, that's my mom, <laughs> and Eileen, and Misty. So thank you all so, 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 so much. Um, we can't say thank you enough. It's just, it helps us to get these, you know, pay for a lot of the stuff and upgrade things. And um, yeah, we really appreciate your, your patronage. Yes, and, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, and meanwhile, we threw our Shorky under the bus and it wasn't her after all. It was this Havanese, my mom's Havanese. Lucy. Little Lucy, yeah. A little bigger dog than, than Poppy. <laughs> Yeah. So, so Poppy, I apologize to you for throwing you under the bus. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. Yes. Thank you guys so much. We'll and come at you next week. Next time. Bye.